to be with you guys today. Let's see if I can get this up. Always great to get over to Vintage and see what the Lord's doing here. Uh, hear great reports. And uh, as many of you know, I'm, uh, and Steve has mentioned, director of the uh, Transformation Network. And I just want to thank you guys for your uh, partic- participation and involvement in the outreach that we did the other weekend. I think we had, uh, among all the churches, about uh, 350 folks who volunteered to reach out to different areas of the community. And um, I see that as really a uh, uh, almost a prophetic action. Uh, it's more than that, but a really a prophetic action of how God is going to impact the community through these churches as we uh, look for ways to, to touch lives. And thrilled with what's happening over at Abney uh, School. Uh, that's that is an exciting piece of news that they have opened their doors to this church and said, "Come on in." And uh, it, I was telling Steve before the service, it just shows incredible favor that you're getting from those people, and I think that's the favor of the Lord. So I just encourage you to keep pressing into that as a as a church. Uh, I wonder if uh, maybe this is bigger than any of you know at this point in terms of how you're going to impact this community. Obviously, we live in a time where our culture is unraveling, and I believe that God can do another great awakening in this uh, country, but it's going to mean that the church, is, needs to, the church needs to be willing to get out there in the community, invest in the people, and see God's uh, purposes and works done there. So uh, congratulate you on that, uh, that invitation into the schools and uh, believe with you that God will give you a strategy to really make impact upon those children and those teachers for the sake of the kingdom. This morning, I want to uh, just spend some time with you talking about uh, one of the most important values that I think we as believers carry concerning uh, the purpose of God in our life. And I'm going to be reading from uh, Numbers 13. We'll begin in verse 30 and go all the way down to uh, uh, through uh, chapter 14, verse 4. A story you're familiar with, uh, the children of Israel at the borders of the promised land deciding whether to go in or not. And uh, we begin in verse 30. Uh, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilims there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilims. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to the land, uh, to this land, only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Uh. The story of the spies coming out of the promised land is really a story of uh, 
good news and bad news. Uh, the good news is it's an incredible land. Uh, when they got over there, they saw it was land of milk and honey, that the uh, fruit of the land was so great it had to be carried on poles. So there was, uh, there was great news about this land that God was leading them into, but there was also some bad news, and the bad news was this, that there were ruthless, warring tribes throughout the land, and that these tribes had the power to overcome the children of Israel. And so they knew to, to go into the land and take the land was going to be a, a time of war and difficulty. And so here they are at the borders of the promised land, and they're trying to make a decision. Do we go in or do we not go in? Uh, do we go with the good news or with the bad news? And uh, as they're standing there making that decision, basically the decision is this. Do we risk everything and go into the land to uh, experiences, experience the purposes of God in our life and the promises of God in our life? Or do we not risk everything and go back to Egypt? Now, the, uh, the noun risk means simply this. There is a chance of loss. There is a chance of injury. There is a chance of damage. The verb risk means this. You are willing to take that chance. You're willing to go for it, even though there's the possibility of sacrifice and cost if you go for that. Now, as I mentioned, I believe that one of the greatest values in the kingdom of God and one of the greatest values in terms of going for the purpose of God in our life as individuals and you as a church is a willingness to embrace risk, a willingness to say, yes, Lord, even if this costs us, uh, you as an individual, even if this costs me to go for your purposes in my life. Even if it costs me in some way that I'm not experiencing right now, I'm willing to take that chance in order that I might experience your purpose and your promise for my life. And it's true of a church. So it's one of the great values of the kingdom. But you need to understand that risk, uh, even though it's a great value, we we don't need to romanticize it because uh, there's a problem with risk. And it is this. Risk carries an inherent difficulty. Max Dupree, who uh, has written many books on leadership, says this about risking in the business world. He says, we risk what exists to add to the pile. In other words, you take risks in the business world to make more profits. So he says, we risk what exists to add to the pile of what we have. And a larger pow makes it more difficult to take a risk the next time. That's the problem of risk. If you risk for God and God blesses you as a people or blesses you as a person, those very blessings make it harder to risk the next time. Why? Because you have more to risk. Look at yourself as a church now. Where were you two years ago? You didn't have as much to risk then as you have now because of God's blessings on you as a church. So what happens many times, and you see this throughout church history, and you see it in the life of believers, that a church in its early days is willing to take the risks for God in order to move into his promises, in order to move into his purposes. But as they live out this risk and God blesses them and God brings things into their life, 
it becomes harder and harder to risk because there's more and more to sacrifice. The, the gamble is greater. The risk is bigger. And so what I find a lot of times in believers' life, yeah, we start out saying, yeah, I'm going for the purposes of God. I'm going for the blessings of God, no matter the cost. And we do it, and we do it over and over, and God blesses us and blesses us and blesses us until we have this great pile of blessing that is so great that now we're not sure we want to risk anymore because we have too much to lose. Too much can happen. And that's when we start using words like this. Uh... Let's minimize the risk, let's reduce the risk, let's avoid the risk. As a matter of fact, I would say to you, just as I was talking to Steve before this service, I believe in the days ahead, Abney is going to be a huge risk for you. Because I think the purposes of God are in it. It's going to be a promised land border. (laughs) And you've got to realize as a church, when God says move across the Even if there's the possibility of difficulty and even loss in terms of some things maybe that are important to us. That if God's voice is in it, we need to go for it. And that's true for us as believers. There are some of you sitting here who have been a believer for a long time. And God has blessed you and you've seen his work in your life. And maybe God is speaking to you now about crossing a new border of the kingdom, which is going to cost you and your You're hesitating because of what it might cost you. You have so much now that it could cost you if you truly obey the Lord in that. So that's the that's the difficulty of risk. It's a great value of the kingdom. But the more you practice it, the harder it is to practice it (laughs) because we have more to lose. We have more we're carrying with us, more difficulties that we face as we go for those things. So that being the case, I want to share this morning a couple of things about risk that maybe will help you in that decision to keep pressing in, to keep crossing the borders, to keep surrendering, even as, uh, what a great song. Uh, Again, the Holy Spirit so gracious and arranging things this morning with that that final song about sacrifice and a willingness to say, Lord, whatever it costs, I'm going for it. In terms of what you want to do in my life, I want to live in this posture of sacrifice. Nothing will get in the way of me pressing into your purpose and your blessings for the days ahead. So what are some things you need to know about risk if you're going to continue to embrace this value as an individual and you're going to embrace it as a church? Number one, the most dangerous risk is not to risk. The most dangerous risk you can take is not to risk for the purposes of God in your life. You see, not to risk is a risk. Uh, What was happening to the children of Israel that day was not, they weren't trying to decide should we risk or not. They were deciding which risk should we take. Do we take the risk of going into the promised land Or do we take the risk of staying out of the promised land? Now, they may have thought that they were choosing against risk. But in reality, they weren't. They were making a decision either to go into the purposes and the blessings of God. Or to stay out of the purposes and blessings of God. Not to risk is to risk. Let me me illustrate this in, in, in the story here. The children of Israel 
One of the things that were, had them spooked about going into the promised land is, are these warring tribes. And they realized that if they go in, these tribes could kill off their families, kill off their children, kill off everyone. So they didn't want to take that risk. And they chose to stay out of the promised land. But they killed an entire generation in the deserts of sterility. Because of their fear of risking for the promises of God. Understand, when we pull back from the purposes and promises of God, we're still risking. (laughs) Maybe even risking more. It is risking more. Because we fear to trust the Lord in the midst of difficulty. Some of you are pulling back because you know this, this... This pilgrimage with the Lord is costing too much. I think I want to pull back and kind of, you know, love Jesus and live the American lifestyle. But God is calling you in your heart. I want you to press in more. I want you to press in more to my purposes. To pull back is to risk. It could be the risk living the rest of your life in a desert of sterility and death. The other thing was this, that the children of Israel were saying, you know, if we, if we go into the land, we're going to surrender our peaceful life. Yes, the life in Egypt was oppressive, it was difficult, but it was routine, it was peaceful, peaceful. we knew what to expect. To go into the promised land is going to be difficult. We don't know what to expect. We're, we're losing the, the peace that we had because we know we're going to go into war, we know we're going to face these tribes. So... In their choice to stay out of the promised land, although they were continuing in their peaceful life, they chose not to see the demonstration of the power of God in their lives. That's what Joshua saw when he finally went into the land. Yes, it was difficult, but remember the powerful demonstrations of God's grace in their life as they began to take the land. So to choose to stay out of the land, yes, meant peace, it meant routine, and maybe even to go back to Egypt. They were even willing to do that in order to stay in the routine and peace that they once knew. But in doing that, they were surrendering the manifestations of God's power and life in them as a people. They were saying no to the purpose of God in order to go back to the purposes of Egypt. And and the other thing was this, that... They were so afraid that the stuff that they had accumulated from Egypt when they were leaving. You remember when they left Egypt, everybody was piling all kind of treasures into their life. And they said, well, you know, if we go into the promised land, we're going to be a sitting target. They're going to know we have this gold and all this stuff from Egypt. So in order to protect the trinkets of Egypt, they chose not to go into the land. But in doing that, they also decided that we will not experience the blessings of God They traded the blessings of God for the stuff of Egypt. For fear that they would lose the stuff in their life, they they rejected the blessings of God in their life. So you need to understand the most dangerous risk, the most dangerous risk is not to risk for the purpose and blessings and promises of God. Even if those purposes and blessings carry with them A cost, maybe a sacrifice, maybe the chance of loss and some difficulties and uh, loss of reputation, maybe even going after God for the people around you. Nonetheless, the issue is 
there's risk in not choosing for God. And the second thing is this. The best risk is the risk of faith. Understand that here we're talking about, when we're saying risking for God, we're, we're talking about a willingness, no matter the cost, to obey God and what God is calling us into as individuals and as a church. Uh, so really, it, it is a response of faith to the word of God into our life. God is saying, I want you to move in this direction. We look at it. We say, you know, there's risk in that. But if we truly are expressing our faith in God and his ability to move us through this time of difficulty or risk or chance of loss or hard times or whatever it may be. If we're really choosing to believe God for his word into our life, then we will express that faith by obedience. I remember John Wimber would always say, the way you spell faith is R-I-S-K. If your faith does not have risk in it, it's not true faith. It is a willingness to say to God, I trust you more than I trust my comfortable life, more than I trust the stuff I've accumulated around me, more than I trust my reputation. I trust you, God, and I'm willing to risk things in order to go into your purposes and your will for my life. In order for us as a church to go into your purpose and will, Lord, we trust you and we will show you our trust by obeying you when you say, move across the border into the next thing. No matter how difficult, trust me in this. Move across the border. So faith has the element of risk. God says in, uh, in chapter 14, verse 11 of, uh, of Numbers, he says this about the children of Israel. How long will these people treat me with contempt? You know what that means? How long will they count me as worthless? That's what it means, contempt. How long? I mean, these people say they believe in me. But look what they're doing. They're saying no to me. I'm saying I've got greater promises for you, a greater purpose for you. And the children of Israel are saying, yes, God, we believe in you. You brought us out of Egypt, done wonderful things. But no, we're not going to follow you in this. And so God says, why do they count me as worthless? Why don't they trust me? Why don't they show me faith by faithfully obeying where I'm taking them and where I'm leading them? You see, we may say Jesus is Lord over my life. But when Jesus asks us to do something and we say no, we're counting his lordship as worthless. Say, Lord, I'm, no, I'm, I'm going to make this call. I'm not going to follow you in this way. It's, there's just too much risk involved. So faith is risking. But there's another side of the coin in that, and that is risking must be done in faith. We need to understand that there's nothing inherently or intrinsically valuable in just risking. I knew of a church where almost every month the pastor would get up and he would... He would Say, this is the thing we're going to do this month. So he's constantly risking into new things back and forth and just trying new stuff, somehow thinking that the value of risk was going to grow the church. That's, risk in itself is not, a, is not a, a value. I mean, if you think risk in itself is a value, a value uh, you might as well be a stockbroker. Uh, risk must have faith 
as a response to God. You're risking because God has said something and you're obeying him. Risk is expressing itself with faith. And so we as believers, we should have faith with our risk. Uh, Sometimes we can cover up our disobedience by risking for God when he doesn't say risk. As a matter of fact, that's true in this story. You remember later on in the story, you might want to read it later on, there was a group of the Israelites who said, once God said, okay, if you're not going in, this is going to be the judgment on you as a people. And they said, well, if that's the case, we're going in. And God said, no, wait a minute, I didn't tell you to go in. They said, well, we're going to risk for you, God, we're going in. And so they go in, they risk for God, they go into the promised land, they get soundly defeated and are driven out. Why? It was the risk of presumption, not the risk of faith. The risk of faith is responding to the voice of God in your heart and saying, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm believing you, even though I don't know how this is going to work out. If you're calling us into this, if you're calling me into this as a believer, I'm going to give myself to this because I trust you. My heart is set upon you and I'm willing to make the risk. Even though it may be difficult, it may be a new thing, I'm willing to give myself in this way. So, the risk of faith is the best risk because it takes us deeper into our relationship with God. It's about relationship. It's about intimacy. It's about faith in the Lord. And trusting him and what he wants to do in our life, what he wants to do in our church. Say, Lord, we trust you. You are in control. And we don't care how big we get. You're still in control. And we're willing to risk it all. If you say risk it all, we're willing to risk it all to follow you. But we've got to know your voice. And once we have your voice, we'll cross over the borders. But we're trusting you. Third thing is this. The most uh, valuable risk is a lifestyle of risking. I'm convinced that if you're going to live in the kingdom of God, you will have a lifestyle of risking. Now, I'm not saying that every day you're going to be making mammoth decisions in which you've got to lay everything on the line. There will be periods like that in your life as a believer. There will be periods like that in your life as a church. But even without these mammoth decisions, there will even be small decisions for you as a believer to risk into new things. The lifestyle of the kingdom is a lifestyle of risk. Let's say you're... You're here today, and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a risk. It's a risk on how you're looked upon by people, and how God will lead your life and direct your life. And to, to cross that border into Pentecost, to cross that border into the God's fullness, will cost you, but God's blessings and His purpose are on the other side. Uh, for some of you, you may have come into this church, and you know this is a church that believes in God's grace to heal and to transform and to deliver. And uh, you're sensing the Lord's calling you maybe into ministry. And uh, if that's the case, and you're saying, you know, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can cross that new border where I'm praying for people and believing God to show up. Uh, If God is calling you into it, take the risk and cross over. There are ways to get trained, ways to be blessed. But I'm telling you, uh, risk is a lifestyle in the kingdom of God. It's taking the next step. It's willing to, uh, to go after the purposes of God. Now, there's an important phrase that you don't find. It's, it's in, uh, I think it's in verse 9. Uh, 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 in, um, 
Let me double check this. Yeah, in chapter 14. But anyway, in the NIV, it, you don't get it, but in the King James and RSV, you do. It says of, it says of the enemies that are in the promised land, the bad news about the promised land, uh, it says in that place, God says to them, they will become your bread. These enemies that everybody's afraid of, these problems, these difficulties, these, the possibility of loss, the, uh, really the risk that they're looking at, uh, it, it says they will become your bread. Now, what does that mean? It means simply this. If we're willing to follow God, if he says go and we're willing to follow them, and even if we follow him into some difficult seasons in order to see his promises fulfilled and in order to see his purpose fulfilled in our life, that overcoming those difficulties by following God will strengthen you as a believer. The enemies in the promised land will become your bread, will become your spiritual nourishment as the people of God. Uh, I see this over and over again. As we continue to risk as believers, we are strengthened. I've seen so many people, you know, there's some people who uh, enter into the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, uh, kind of in a, in a huge, dramatic decision in which they're believing God to, to fill them. And, and, and that is one way to enter in. But I have seen other people enter in by choosing to just go after the things of the Spirit and say, okay, God, I'm going to start risking into this. I'm going to start risking into the works of the Spirit in my life and opening my life to you. And as they take these steps more and more, they become strengthened in God. The things that they fear actually become the bread that feeds them, that they overcome these things, and they become strong believers. The enemies in the promised land will become your bread. The difficulties that may be there, the things that you're risking about, those are the things that will feed you and strengthen you as a believer, strengthen you as a church. You know, the, the very thing that we fear, the very thing that keeps us out of the promised land, in reality will become the nourishment of faith that shows us the power of God to overcome these things and strengthens us as believers, strengthens us as, as the people of God. John Kohler, again, who's a guy that does a lot of um, writing about leadership in the business world, he was doing a study uh, of leaders in the business world from 1970 to, uh, up until uh, this time. And he, what he found was a group of people he called lifelong leaders. And these people uh, showed an ability to constantly learn and strengthen their leadership through the years that they were leaders. It wasn't that they led at one time and then it kind of diminished, but they were constantly becoming stronger and stronger in their leadership, more wise in their leadership, having greater and greater influence through their leadership. And he said the number one value, the number one characteristic he saw in these lifelong leaders was this. They were always willing to risk. They're always willing to take the next step. They never wanted to settle. You see, God has not called you to be settlers. <laughs> He's called you to be warriors. He's called you to take the next step, to cross into the next border, to move into the next area. The kingdom of God is an ever-advancing kingdom, and the violent take it by force. A willingness to press into the next thing that God has for your life. An openness to the Spirit of the Lord and saying, whatever you want. 
Whatever you want to do. This is just not a one-time decision to cross over. Again, if I can quote Wimber, I remember one of my favorite quotes by Wimber is this. Every, next, every step in the kingdom of God will cost you everything you've gained to date. Are you willing? Are you willing to say, Lord, it's worth it? Because it means a greater manifestation of your purpose and of your power and of your promises in our life. And we're not going to let the accumulation of stuff, even the blessings that you brought into our life, keep us from you. So this risk is a, is a, is a risk, a lifestyle of risking. And I, I encourage you, the leaders of the kingdom have made a lifelong commitment to risk for God's purposes. They understand this is a value of the kingdom. And it's not that you just kind of do it early on in your life as an individual or early on in your life as a church. This will be the value of vintage. To say, God, if you're saying move in a direction that seems so big and so beyond who we are and what we're about, we will take that just as we took it in the early days. Even though we have more to risk, our highest value is obedience to you and faith to you more than what we have and who we are. You are the God we trust and will walk with you in what you show us in the days ahead. I, I particularly say this to you as a church. I, it's kind of a timely message because of the life that you're in right now. I mean, you've moved from the planting place to the establishment place. But you mean you need to understand establishment doesn't mean settling. <laughs> it means you are here because you were willing to obey God in places that didn't seem possible. And God has even more for you as you continue to obey him to move into areas that don't seem possible. That seem just as far out as when you were first starting. And yet you're saying, Lord, we're willing to lay it all on the line to keep moving with you and what you want for us as a people. And then let me say, share this. The most successful risk is not necessarily the one that avoids loss. Now, in the business world, a successful risk is one that avoids loss. You get profits and gain and whatnot. But in the kingdom of God, sometimes the most successful risk is a risk that involves sacrifice. Uh, a risk that through that sacrifice, God begins to break in. And that's why I think Jesus said... As a part of our risking, you need to understand if you're going to follow me, you take up your cross and follow me daily. And so sometimes God will say, you know, you're going to go for this. It's going to cost you. But are you willing to embrace that loss and trust me for what I'm going to do in the midst of it? If we don't see it that way, then here's how we have to judge things. We have to look at the Apostle James and say he was less successful than the Apostle John because the, the risk of the Apostle James cost him his life. And it didn't cost John his life. John died at an old age. Or maybe he was killed at the end of his life, had many, many years before he died. You'd have to say the risk of Jim Elliott, the missionary who was martyred in Ecuador was less successful than the risk of Bruce Olson, another missionary in Ecuador who's lived there over the years ministering to the Montalone Indians. Because Jim Elliott's risk cost him his life. 
Bruce Olson hasn't. Well, in a sense it has. It's cost him a life in the jungles ministering to a tribe there. But you see what I'm saying? If we start saying that for us in the kingdom, successful risk is always avoiding loss, we misunderstand the values of the kingdom because sometimes God will call us to embrace loss at some area in order to see a greater expression of the kingdom. Are we going to say that the church in Egypt is less successful than the church in America because they're risking for the kingdom costs them persecution? But it doesn't cost us persecution. No. It just depends on where you are and what God is calling you to embrace. And your willingness to say, Lord, whatever you're calling me to do, I'm willing to give myself to that. Successful risk doesn't mean you don't lose anything. It simply means in the midst of loss, the purpose of God is gained. That's the risk of the kingdom. And we're saying to the Lord, Lord, if it costs us, we'll go if you say to go. Because we believe that your purposes are to be expressed in the earth. And that's what we live our life for. To see your purposes and your promise expressed through this body, in this community, in ways that we can't even imagine. And so when God says, cross the next border, if you hear his voice... Don't pull back. I'm, I'm saying this to some individuals here because I believe some of you are here today wrestling with God or some things he's saying in your heart. You're saying, you know, what do I do with this? And if you hear his voice, even if there's the possibility of difficulty or whatever, press in. Follow the Lord. Follow his lordship over your life. So my word to you folks is take the next step. Every step in the kingdom costs us everything we gain today. Take the next step. And watch what God does in terms of expressing his purpose and power in your life. Uh, This morning, what I'd like to do is uh, give an opportunity for prayer. Maybe some of you are facing things in life and you just need the Lord to give you revelation as to what to do, where to cross over, what you need to do in your own life. Maybe in your spiritual life, you're saying, Lord, you're speaking to me about some things in terms of my involvement here and involvement in ministry, involvement in your kingdom purposes and and I don't want to hold back. Even, even if it means my lifestyle will be changed, the trajectory of my life is going to go in a new way, I give myself to that. I'm willing to say no to some things in order to say yes to your promises and purposes. Maybe you have just other needs in terms of healing and whatnot. We encourage you to come uh, and receive prayer this morning. But also I just want to pray over you as a church because I do believe uh, just hearing some of the things on in Steve's heart and Randall, what she shared, that uh, you're at an important border. And you just need to hear the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what you're calling us to do, we will embrace. Even if it means we're going into a land we've never been in before. <laughs> we trust you that this is the promised land, that this is the land of promises for this community. So uh, let's stand together and invite the worship team to come up. And um, let me pray over you. And invite the ministry teams to come forward.